Hi, thanks for listening to my podcast. Let me introduce you with Jane Milton. I've been working with food businesses for 35 years and now I'm taking you behind the scenes in my business to connect with some of the great specialists, entrepreneurs and producers that we work with to hear how we create strategies that inspire business and how we help them create the perfect teams for specific projects and for their business as it grows so that they can get great results faster and much more cost effectively with our support than they would on their own. I truly believe the food industry in the UK has some of the best people in it and I'm lucky enough to know and work with the very best of those. Let me introduce you to Simon Ralphs, the commercial real estate partner at Clark's Legal. Simon and I met via Twitter many years ago when he was often talking about food and drink, food trucks and restaurants. These days you very often find him on Instagram as the restaurant lawyer. Over the years, he's made several referrals to me and I've asked him to talk with businesses we are working with too. He talks about people from whom he learned about how to get the best from his team and about how important it is to make time for the people in your business. We discuss getting to grips with being able to say you're good at something and how it's necessary to promote your business but doesn't always sit comfortably with you. He talks about learning to embrace change and welcome it and how the pandemic has allowed him to re-examine, reset and reboot how he works and what the business does too. Simon offers some great advice if you're setting up a new business and his calm and friendly manner is why we're always happy when we can refer clients to him. Let me introduce you to Simon Ralphs. So, how would you describe your job to other people? Well, I, I probably I'm a commercial property lawyer at, at heart, so I'd probably say that I'm a boring old lawyer. But I've recently, in the past few years, discovered a massive passion for food and restaurants, and so that's sort of an area that I've driven a sector that I've driven into. That's I mean, so that's, that's how I, I would describe you. I would say you're the restaurant lawyer, and so much so that somebody yesterday, a client yesterday, and this is coming your way very soon, asked me if I could refer him to a lawyer about something, and I was thinking, who do we know? And then I thought, oh, it'll be Simon. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's it just over. not that <laughs> category, but yeah, but it's it's funny, but it's good and it's easy for people, isn't it? If you say what you like getting then people know exactly you know when they can pinpoint something to you so it, it makes it easier for people to refer things to you yeah well it's funny because I start. I, I definitely had a moment in my career where I, I thought is this for me do I want to be a lawyer for the rest of my life and then I realized you've got to sort of find a passion something that you want to drive yeah. into and that's sort of Totally changed my career. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's good. And it's great for customers too, because then, because you're in a bit of a niche, you know a bit more about it, you understand things, you can tell them right away, have you thought about this? Or do you realise this might be something for you? Or you know things they can do that can help them because you've learned that from other people you've looked at and things. So it it is, it's a good thing, isn't it? We have a an accountant who works with a lot of food and drink businesses and same sort of thing that she can often tell us things to look for, look at, not do, do because she's seen it in other businesses or she'll say, have you ever thought about this? Or 
Do you not know that you could claim for that? Or and which she wouldn't do if she didn't know as many food businesses as she does. Well, it's it's also such a small world, isn't it? Everybody knows everybody in the food industry, so it's quite nice actually. When did you first know what you wanted to do, or when did law become the thing you decided to do? I think initially I wanted—I thought I wanted to be a dentist, bizarrely, and then I realised that you have to. <laughs> You have to do injections, and I, I hate injections. So I was like, oh, "Okay, I'm not doing that." And then I, I, so I did some work experience. I think when I was about fifteen or sixteen at a local law firm, literally very old school yeah. lawyer, sat in his office just watching what he was doing. Uh, I just found it quite interesting. So it's from that, really. Isn't that brilliant? Though well, how important it is to get that opportunity to try something. Absolutely, and I think a lot of people don't get that chance they or they do work experience in something that they're just not interested in so I was lucky that I found it interesting and got that chance to know that it would interest you because it's a lot of studying to do to at the end discover you don't like it or something yeah I think that was the realization at 16 it's like I've set myself up here for a lot of study coming up did you have weekend jobs and things did you yeah I did I used to work um in a, sh- a shoe shop in the middle of Leicester, which uh, was the only provider of Dr. Martins in the whole of Leicester. So it was Popular. quite a, a busy yeah. shop. And then um, in the summer, I used to work on a fruit farm, uh, which was always quite That's hard work and, too. And very busy. That is yeah. really demanding work, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, I sort of moved on to doing sort of general maintenance stuff, which was a bit bit more interesting because I got to drive one of those three-wheel bikes oh, yes. around the yeah. farm which was excellent oh, but it's it's interesting isn't it uh, when we talk to people often the lessons that they learn or the people that made an impression on them and things are from those very early jobs rather than from later on you know when they further on in your career and I think partly because you don't know how to do things you pay more attention to how other people are doing things and you either learn good or bad from them you know like oh, I never want to treat people like that or I like that but it often is those early jobs and so it is important that people get those chances isn't it yeah, yeah I think you're right I, I learned I learned, definitely learned some bad management behaviors from the from those yeah, junior jobs you do <laughs> but, and how you don't want to treat other learn people how, yeah well that's it you learn how you want to manage people or deal with people as well don't you which is important who have you learned from who are the people that have been good examples for you we, what we say is if it's a bad example you say what you learned not to do but not who they were and if it's a good example you can name them <laughs> i think i think um Life role models is a bit of a cliche. Mm. It's probably my dad because uh, I learned he's he's sort of a very high moraled, friendly, sort of honest character, and I think I learned that that is important in business, and and you need to come across yep. like that and be that person for people to trust you and believe in you. Uh, so I've learned definitely learned a lot. And not from everybody him. would have learned that from their dad. So you know you're lucky yeah. to have had him. No. Definitely. Yeah. So I'd say him him on a sort of personal yep. level. And then I, at, uh, I won't name names. It's not a bad example. <laughs> uh, but one of my former former bosses, it's along a similar mm. line. She, she was always very fair 
but firm mm. uh, and always made time, even though she was frantically busy, to sort of mentor and help out. And again, I think that was a good lesson to and learn. And to take time to, to of, explain things to people. and Yeah, I think it's really important. You get, I've had the, the bad examples yeah. of ex-bosses are the opposite of that, where they just don't have time for you, they don't help you, and they're too involved in their yeah. own life to kind of help you out. So I think there's lessons to learn there, definitely. Who do you admire in business? So they can be famous people or, you know, people that you've met through networking and peer groups and things. Who do you think that person really weaves yeah, a good path there's, or? There's, there's obviously the, the big guys, isn't there? The big guns. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of Elon Musk. <laughs> Just yeah. find him hideous. I mean, obviously he's, to get where he's got to, he's he's good at what yeah. he does, isn't he? But it's just something something quite, I don't know, unappealing yeah, about it. <laughs> I think so. And I think all the recent space race stuff with all of those other, you know, big mm. guys that you would look at and things has kind of put me off a lot of them too. Because you just think, really, yeah. there are so many more things you could do with some of that money. Than- well, yeah, and I think. I used to admire uh, Branson, mm. but he's sort of fallen into that trap recently, he has, hasn't he? Well. I, mean, he's, I like, I love the fact that he's kind of come from like zero education, yep. and just through his passion and sort of fun and and is honest about the absolute near misses yeah. that he's had too, and how yeah. close to being broke, you know, he's been and how broke he's been a couple of times, which I think is good because I think we tend to think things like that happen quickly for people and. And it, yeah. and it doesn't, and it's good to be honest about, you know, what's involved in becoming successful. I agree. And then and then on a sort of less, on someone I've actually met, I would say um, I'm quite impressed with Neil Rankin. Yes, yeah. Uh, I, love, I love the fact that he was like, you know, Mr. Barbecue, and then he's sort of diversified into the, into the non-meat yep. sector and it's and really embraced that a, a business that is doing really well I love that I think that's so exciting that and that he had the courage to do that to do something completely yeah. different yeah no no that's good these are yeah. good examples that's great thank you too much of what is never enough what do you think and I mean it can be anything can it be can't. a pretty thing can be something completely different it's, prob- it's probably a follow-on from Neil Rankin. I'd probably say smoked meat. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Are, are just, you a barbecue or a smoker yourself? Or Well, I, we we recently moved and one of my first purchases was a big green egg. Oh, so uh, I've, yeah. I've just discovered uh, smoking meat. Although my first, uh, first go at a brisket wasn't too great, but uh, I'll keep going. Yeah, that's it. You just need lots of practice, don't you? But, oh, no, that's good. Yeah. Um there's a guy, Marcus Bowden, B-A-W-D-O-N. Oh. He, he's done some amazing stuff and he runs day classes and things and the stuff that he shows, but but he's also got some very good books and things that look amazing and just interesting stuff yeah. and some cheap cuts and some, you know, more expensive stuff and things, but some really good stuff. I love hearing when he says... When he was doing the new book, he was posting a lot on the Guild of Food Writers internal page. You know, when you heard what he'd done, how long he'd marinated things for, what he'd marinated them in, mm. and then another marinade and another, you know, like layering things up and then cooking it and stuff. It was just, it was brilliant. 
So it's really good. Mm. Yeah. Good. So too much smoked meat is never enough. That's a good thing. Um, somebody somebody recently said too much talent is never enough. Like you always want more <laughs> talented people in your business. And I thought that was a good one too. So, but yeah, too much smoked meat. I'm so with you. Um, people often say you have to step out of your comfort zone to learn something or to grow. You know, like if you stay within your comfort zone, you're not stretching yourself. What have you done that when you look back, you think I really don't believe that I did do that. Well, apart from this podcast, yes. Yes. <laughs> is this your first podcast? No, I think is it probably it? is. Good. No, I think, but being serious, I think it is presenting yourself and putting yourself yep. out there is definitely something that's outside my comfort and you zone. Would, and so you I would think... never have thought that you would have had an Instagram account and all those things then. Yeah. yeah. So I think it is. I would say definitely that is putting yourself out as being an expert or a specialist in an area. Because I think as British people, we're very uncomfortable, aren't we, with saying we're great at yeah. this. <laughs> so I think probably that, That's I would funny, say. That's funny, isn't it? I know. We have we have that. I find that difficult too. But it's something that you've got to do if you run a business too. But um, in our house, my mum never liked you to. She would never... She would, and she still would when we laugh about it. She would still struggle to say she was proud of any of us. Do you know? (laughs) (laughs) And she says, well, you know, pride comes before a fall and you shouldn't. And it's, and and people will say about one of her, you know, one of her children, oh, you must be proud that they did that. And I say, she would never say the word proud. So you're barking (laughs) up the wrong tree. But it is, it's a funny thing, but you have to be prepared to stand by what you do, don't you? And say that you you know that this is something that that you are good at, that you know a lot about and in order to sell your business. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. Well, thank you. I'm really (laughs) grateful now that you did the podcast. Um. What have you learned about yourself that you wish you'd known earlier? And if I explain that a bit, I I love doing project work, helping somebody sort something and then mm-hmm. giving it back to them to maintain it. And when I look back all the way through my career, the jobs that I love doing were where I was brought in to put in the systems and put in the strategies and do things like that. But then once it was fine, I would think, well, I need to be doing something else. I'm not very good at treading water and just maintaining something. So it really works well for me going into businesses, helping them sort something out and stepping back out. I'm not trying to create a job for myself where I'm in there all the time because I'm happy Mm. to do something with them, step away and then come back when they need something again. What did you think was just how everybody worked that you've now discovered possibly isn't? I don't I think I'd probably go on a slightly different mm-hmm. tack and say that um, it's more, I've probably learned not to be afraid of, of change or looking at something differently. I think, again, I, I, there's comfort in following something that you know really well and, 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 and not thinking well why don't I try it this way and so I'd say I've kind of learned from that really that and again it comes to what what you're uncomfortable what's pushing outside of your comfort zone isn't it it's the same sort of thing so I think I would say that that I've learned not to be afraid to change 
the direction that I'm going in and to focus on what I enjoy and what I love. Yeah, that's good. That's really good, isn't it? That's good. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of people don't like change, as we've all discovered more in the last two years than we could ever have imagined. You you can do it. And sometimes it's a good opportunity. I mean, you and I spoke earlier about it being an opportunity to kind of reboot and reset and look at what you've ended up doing sometimes, which just happens because people ask you to do things and decide which bits of that you want to keep and which bits of it you really don't want to hang on to. Yeah. Absolutely. In the last couple of years, because obviously you were doing a lot with restaurants and food businesses and things, have you seen what people need from you change because the environment has changed so much? And Yeah. I mean, as you might expect, a lot of... Uh, Restaurants have been trying to negotiate with their landlords a bit more to try and uh, get rent reductions or yep. or smaller space or to move to shorter terms and so on. So yeah, it's definitely become a bit more of that, a bit less progressive sort of buying up restaurant space as, as you might yeah. expect. Um, so yeah, there's been a bit more advice on on that and how they can uh, look to maximise delivery kits yep. and yeah and all those sorts of things which have become a bit of a revelation and are wonderful for the rest of us aren't they i mean it's been a great yeah. thing to do yeah and i know i mean there are already meal kit companies but they weren't restaurants and to be able to buy a restaurant's kit and do it at home and that, that is it's a great thing and and a lot of people i mean obviously some of that fell away once restaurants opened again but a lot of restaurants have had to find somebody to carry that part on for them because mm. the restaurant's up and running again but there will always be demand for that and i think i'm lucky because i'm in london so i'm quite spoiled by what is available but i know we work with a, a west indian catering business called uh, Juicy Jerk who are actually now in Selfridges that happened during lockdown that they went in there as a pop-up but you know for them there were a lot of people outside of London who didn't live in areas where there were a lot of West Indians so weren't getting access to that kind of food who were really excited when they could get West Indian meal kits sent up country for them and you know I think it has really brought and again maximized what you can get out of the footprint of your restaurant as well you know yeah and so i think that's a good thing and i definitely think for people that live further out that's a good thing do you work much with people that had food to go type takeaway businesses and things because some of them like particularly the ones in the city and things it's been a very tough time for them and they're still not 100 percent sure how much that footfall will come back into city centers and things whereas further out bakers and coffee shops and things have done better you know because people were working from home and got bored of making their own lunch and wandered to the local yeah. shops and things have you yeah we do we do do work with some of those and there they did they had as you they'd expect tough times especially the ones based in sort of mm. office centric yeah. places or you've seen from Pret-a-Manger and how they struggle and how they've had to uh, branch out into supplying Tesco and and people like that as well just to find something different so now it is it's very different isn't it and I worked for a number of years for Greg's and they had stopped being your high street baker shop because nobody was at home in the high street to buy 
sandwich uh, to buy a loaf and a couple of cakes and things and became much more sandwich businesses, which then changed where they looked. And they were looking at stations and high footfall places like that. And I mean, some of those places, I have another client who has sites in a lot of those kind of places and a lot of them have been very slow to come back and and it will be uncertain for a while how they will come back so again being able to do delivery and things from them is, is well, Greg's, Greg's is vegan sausage roll was it the winner was, wasn't it it was I know <laughs> it's a fantastic thing and I mean and so different for them to do mm. you you know if you've been looking at who was going to do something vegan you might not instantly have thought of them but they executed it really well all the marketing and everything around it was really good and it and it really did save their year that that year you know it really boosted their sales and things and but yeah. again you know they also have looked at who else they might supply stuff to and you know, had to had to rejig i think the big thing is not to sit still and wait for it all to get back to normal because mm. i mean they always said at the beginning didn't they there will be a new normal and i don't think we fully appreciated at that time how long this might go on for and so how mm. how right that has become because we have had to do things differently it's interesting but as you say and there are always people that it's an opportunity for and you know chance to do something differently and things like that now were you involved or were they a client of yours the cheese barge people i seem to remember that you knew something about that happening that's a marvelous Absolutely, thing. yeah <laughs> well one of my favorite clients because it involves cheese it's amazing <laughs> isn't it i know i'm a cheese lover as well somebody who would be afraid to have it in the house because of the quantity of it i could eat so i have to yeah. watch how i buy well, it no, they, so they they opened they opened the cheese barge sort of in between lockdowns mm. so it was a, it was a difficult time but um i, I think they've been they've done really well i think they've, they've been booked out i for, love too the fact weeks, that it is on time. a barge i mean it's up at paddington in london for people that haven't seen it but i love that it is because it does mean too that they could go somewhere else potentially sometimes and and do something i love the the lack of restriction to some extent that that gives them yeah. you know it's good but but also, it's, I think people think it's just going to be cheese and biscuits. But oh, it's not. It's, you know, there's a no. lot more to it. Than it is. That. It's, it's great. Some amazing dishes. Yeah. And yeah. cheese goes so well with so many things, doesn't it? That it's fantastic. It's, yeah, they've got a great wine yeah. list there as well. Yeah. yeah. No, it is. It's good. <laughs> I um, paddleboard up that in that area sometimes. So I've watched that all develop, which is lovely, you know, but yeah, I like, I like it up there and I like the. They're a good, they're, they're a good example actually of how they diversified during lockdowns because they started doing cheese fondue kits brilliant um and cheese toasty yes. kits because the history of them is they started from a food truck business uh which used to go to all the festivals and do these amazing gourmet cheese toasties basically cheese toasties so have they, had they, good they... press recently too i don't know if you saw jay rayner's piece about the wigmore and the, and the cheese oh, oh, no, that is an amazing cheese toasty too at the wigmore in london and and I mean it's a massive thing, but it's a it's a, a a good one, you know. And I think again, it's that thing, isn't it? Simple things done well really mm. elevate food. Now, my next question follows on quite nicely from that. Then, what's the best thing you've eaten recently? And it can be at home, it can be out, it can be with family, or you know, whatever. What's what are the things well, that you've your memorable food 
moments? A couple of things spring to mind. So I'm lucky that we've recently moved out out of mm. London um, and there's lots of lovely pubs around yep. here. And uh, one of them is called the Bottle and Glass and they do, um, it's this beautiful sort of thatched cottage oh, sort of Traditional in the old middle of nowhere pub. sort of thing. Yeah. And they're sort of on the edge of a, an old uh, uh, an estate which has loads of deer oh, and wow. things and they and some of that deer gets in onto the menu <laughs> and and they have this um barn that's next to the pub where they do burgers and pizzas and it's like it was brilliant in lockdown because it was an outdoor area that you could kind of still have people in there and one of their burgers is the uh, bambi burger which is a deer Burger, eh? it's just incredible. That's a great it's name. Great and what else goes with it? Come on, you can't just tell us it's a Bambi burger and stop there. What's what was the sauce with it? What was the relish? It's just delicious. Yeah. It's, it but was lots yeah, of nice I, things it, in it. It was amazing. What kind yeah. of roll? And chips, obviously. Ah, chips. A nice, nice brioche yeah, bun. Good. And, yeah. No. And then uh, the other, the other thing I'd say was at um, Christmas. This was the first time that we'd ever hosted. Mm. And so I was, the pressure was on because I was going to be the main Cook. chef. And how many did you have on Christmas Day? Well, it wasn't no. many. It was only, there was only six yeah, of us. Still so lovely. Bad, yeah, actually. that's nice. But um, we, I discovered this cauliflower cheese that um, one of Jamie Oliver's recipes mm. where he, um, part of the cheese sauce is uh, broccoli. Gosh. That's all blended down with yeah. the cheese cheese sauce it makes this most incredible sort of sauce that go and then you have the leaves of the cauliflower yes. hanging out of the bowl of the and then it's got a crispy top that, on the that's it's the just best amazing. thing i've discovered in the last couple of years is roasting cauliflower and putting the leaves in too because yeah. it is they're brilliant and i think why did we ever give them to he's, the rabbit or chuck though, them away yeah. i know <laughs> buy the cauliflower with them all cut off it you know and it's uh, they are they're really good yeah Anna Jones does a a mac and cheese that doesn't have cheese in it. That's vegetarian, mm. and and it has broccoli and stuff through the the pasta and yeast flakes, nutritional yeast flakes, mm. and so the flavour from that always surprises me. It's really lovely, so, and and it's quite like mm. that with the broccoli and things. And I believe that she used to do some work with Jamie, so I suspect uh, that there's maybe a bit of cross fertilization yeah. of in of um <laughs> ideas and things there but yeah but that's lovely oh that sounds good so you had mac and cheese at Chris cauliflower cheese on christmas day what oh, yeah. did you have turkey yeah we did yeah we got a big turkey Great. obviously far too much loads of leftovers that's perfect but, uh, <laughs> shredded shredded my brussels oh, as well yeah, I thought yeah. That for a bit, bit of, of a stir fry yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm good chuck some bacon yep. in there yeah, that's lovely. good oh that sounds good <laughs> if if somebody came to you and said they were starting a business either a, a legal business or they came for advice from you because they were starting a business what would you tell them to make sure they do early on apart from have a lawyer <laughs> well yeah i mean I, first of all i'd be like well done for coming to yeah, see me <laughs> absolutely yeah uh, but no, I think it is it is preparation, really, isn't it? It's um, knowing your potential customer, knowing your product, knowing the market that you want to get into, and then it's thinking about protecting your image and your intellectual property, yep. that sort of stuff. And then looking at sort of a 
what you what team you need to build i suppose to to get to where you want to get to and and i'd always try and have a few key advisors because they'll be crucial along the way i think that would be my no that's good as another lawyer once said to me that you don't know things are not important when you're doing them at first you know and so people think I've seen somebody else's agreement for that, so I'll copy it and change it and things. But it's only when you need it. And he said it's a bit like you don't go into marriage thinking you'll ever get divorced. But, you know, at the point when everything goes wrong, those agreements and things are what will make life easier for you. So investing in all of that at the beginning and setting it up properly at the beginning and taking other people's advice which is sometimes hard because you can't really afford it you have you haven't really got going but I think too Mm -hmm. if you can see somebody who says this is what you need to do right now and then in about a year's time you really need to get that bit in place and then then I think those things all help too don't they because unfortunately sadly things do go wrong also I mean nobody would ever have seen COVID coming and, and I mean, I have customers who quite often are asked to put their houses up as personal guarantees and things. And I always say I wouldn't and I wouldn't recommend it because you could have a really amazing shop, be doing really well and want to double the size of it. And then a supermarket opens next door to you and it completely changes. Mm-hmm. Something completely out of your control could happen. And so you shouldn't, it's a bit, you know, like my advice on gambling would be don't ever gamble anything you can't afford to lose. And I just Mm. think, and and banks and people are very naughty at pushing businesses to have those personal guarantees and things, even on some of the COVID loans and things that they shouldn't have done it. Some of them have taken them. And um, I think it's really important that people are aware of risks. And so don't, don't jeopardize. The the, the flip side of that is that... um... People then listen, read Michael Branson's book and you see that he was down to his last pound kind of thing. Yeah. And they think, right, I can do that. I can do the same. But, you know, that's and an not, unusual And not result, everybody can live like that. No, absolutely. No. That is, that's very true. Right. So I think part of the preparation, part, part of that preparation is preparing for the worst, basically, yeah. isn't it? You've just got to assume that the if worst If it all went happen, wrong, will you what would it? that look like? Yeah. And how can you limit your risks and things? So, yeah. yeah, I think so, definitely. Are you a reader? Are you a reader of novels, personal development books, business books, all of the above? What do you like reading? I've not, I've, I've never, I've never really read a, a business book, yeah. I don't think. That's good. I do read some fiction, but not loads. I tend to like sort of true stuff. And what have you read recently that's impacted you? <laughs> I re- uh, what have I read recently? Nothing too exciting. I read the Louis Theroux oh, yeah. autobiography. That'd be quite, which is quite good. Interesting. Yeah, he's quite an interesting guy. I'm more into that yeah. sort of thing, just sort of learning about True other stories about people's lives, their and experiences things. Yeah. and stuff. Good. What What would you say? What would yours be? Um, I've done a few things. Re- I mean, I I don't read novels. I can't really be bothered, and I also do a lot of audiobooks and at mm. the moment the audiobook that I'm on is called Eat Move Sleep by Tom Rath and and it's not a new book it was written quite a long time ago about how making good decisions about everything you eat which doesn't always happen always moving and I, I'm somebody that has a standing desk and doesn't sit down and and 
read already appreciated that that helps. But um, he's talking about for every hour you sit at a desk, the impact that has on your general health and everything, and then about making sure you get enough sleep. And it's funny because when I'm reading the book, I can see a lot of other books that I've read have been influenced by what he started mm. and then other people have expanded on. But he talks about making tiny incremental changes, not doing the whole New Year's resolution. I will completely change my whole life. And I'm enjoying listening to that at the moment and breaking it down in chunks. And you do, there's a little quiz you can do on his website. And then it gives you one thing for every day for the next 30 days to just make a small adjustment to, which is quite a good pattern to get into. And I... Mm. I use a paper journal to plan all my days and it's one that prompts you to do some personal stuff and some work stuff. So it keeps a balance in your day, which I like. And so I've been writing those things into there as there's a section in the journal that says something like, if I go to, if I go to bed tonight and I've done this, I will be happy. So I stick it there, you know, that that's my one thing that I want to, my one new habit that I want to, pick up and things. So I like things like that, that make you think differently mm. and maybe make some small changes, but are realistic about what you can achieve in among everything else that you're trying to do. Does it involve lots of dog walking, I presume? It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. I mean, I love walking and, and, and that's actually when I listen often to mm. things. That, and the other thing that I listen to a lot of are other people's podcasts and, I love that. And it's funny because I can remember hearing certain podcasts on certain walks. And sometimes it almost feels like you've been on a walk with that person. So I love that. I mean, I would love to read more and and I don't. I go to bed. I try and get seven hours sleep every night because I, I like to get up really early. So I go to bed. I have to be in bed by 10 to achieve that because I get up at five. And so I don't normally read at night because I'm tired by then. And if you're reading things like Eat, Move, Sleep or not a story, it's quite hard to, to do. Yeah. So I put half an hour's reading in first thing in the morning. And so I get up Monday to Friday and go and read for half an hour. And that's good. But audiobooks too means that I can just absorb more while I'm walking about. So I do find that if I try and read in bed, I get to about one sentence and I've uh, sort of nodding off. I know, and then you have to reread <laughs> it, and, re and if it's if it's something yeah. that you want to try and retain, it's not a useful time for me to do it. But no. five o'clock in the morning, half an hour in my PJs before anything for anyone else is looking for you or anything, it feels quite indulgent. So I quite like doing that. So yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's just you got to find what works for you. Now hmm. I I can see this might be a barbecue answer, but <laughs> if you were to take three things to a desert island with you and they can be food things or they can be pieces of food equipment what are the things that you think would be essential right so i wouldn't take my green egg with me because okay. <laughs> you think, think you could do without there. it yeah i hopefully could do just an open fire is what i'm thinking yep i think i would definitely take some chili sauce because i think it would any to particular sort of one um i'm quite i'm quite enjoying frank's uh red hot chili sauce at the moment yep i love it so good obviously very good with wings as well so maybe that one uh i think that would liven up the the fish dinners and the yep. coconut curries yeah absolutely 
And then I'd probably, if I could find somewhere to plug it in, I'd probably take an ice cream maker. I'm told by other people that they're taking solar power with them. So if if you just took a quick (laughs) solar thing, you'd be fine. (laughs) I just think that'd be quite nice just to feel that I'm on a holiday, not deserted on an island. Yeah. Good. To cool down on the beach a bit. And then my all-time favourite crisp flavour, I would take beef monster munch. Oh, wow. That's a good one. That's your favourite, is it? Has it always been? Was it something you liked when you I were younger so. that you stuck with? Yeah. I think, I just, I just love, what's your favourite crisp? Cheese and onion. I love cheese and onion crisp. But I'll tell you, it's a funny thing, but the thing that I love most is salted crisps in Spain. And they are, they're, mm. they're cooked in olive oil. And so it's, a re- it's just like a really plain, I mean, most of the crisps that you get there are those really plain ones. They're not fancy flavours or any of the weird flavours that we get here. But then I think when I come home, oh, I love those. So I'm going to buy some here, somebody's, you know, kind of batch cooked. And they're not the mm. same. And I think it's because they use olive oil. So, yeah, I would do a, a Spanish ready salted would be mine. I think you need to set up a new brand. I, I think I probably do. I know. I'm, um, I'm actually working with a Swiss tortilla chip company at the moment, which is brilliant. And oh, yeah. they make their tortillas by um, soaking the corn with lime and mm. things and doing it in a very traditional oh, no. way and then frying them. And they're the closest thing to if you buy tortillas, corn tortillas, and fry them, these are the closest thing to that oh, that you okay. can get. So I'm loving them. So much so that the stock that is in my office, I've had to put in the loft so that I don't eat them. Because <laughs> <laughs> the idea of them is that I can give them to other people. And I kept going, oh, maybe I'll just, I thought, no, Jane, you've got to put these in the loft. So you, I'll send you my so, address after the right. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. But yeah, but they're really good. So, but I know there is, there is definitely, a, I don't know how 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 much I really want to have a crisp brand. I, you know, I used to have a chocolate brownie brand and everybody in the factory smelled of chocolate brownies and everybody went home at night smelling of chocolate brownies. And <laughs> I strongly suspect that if you had a crisp factory, it, yeah. um, so yeah, I'll just encourage. It'd be like working in a fish and chip it, shop. It would be. And, or like working at Cadbury's <laughs> where you're allowed to eat as much chocolate as you want because they know it'll only last oh, yeah. about three weeks and then you'll never want it again. <laughs> it took me a long time because it's a funny thing. But when you've got a brownie business, everybody says, oh, you must trace, you must try mine. And it's like the last yeah. thing I want to eat on a day off <laughs> is another chocolate brownie, you know. So, but yeah, but that's a good list for your desert island. So... I like the ice cream maker. I mean, it's not, it's probably not very, um, won't sustain me very well, but you know, it'll, it'll do. It'll do. It'll do. You would, you would have a pleasant time until you were rescued, which is the point. Thank you very much for chatting with us and going through that with us. That's been really good. And I've really enjoyed talking to you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Let me introduce you with Jane Milton. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you don't miss an episode. Please leave a comment to let us know what you've enjoyed or connect to us on social media at Jane Milton Food. If you found it interesting, please share the details with other food businesses you know. We always love meeting new food businesses. See you next episode.